So let's, let's stand to our feet and turn to Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3. I will probably uh, preach maybe 15 to 20 minutes today. And um, then I want to open the microphones up this morning in our final uh, message in the Woke Church series. Um, I think this is extremely important for us. And so on three, you can go ahead and start reading. On three, one, two, three, go. I know y'all are looking at me like pastor. (laughs) Now, Sunday morning isn't for all that. Um, But I think that every word of God matters. And if you believe every word of God matters, that means we should not skate past one jot or tittle of what he has to say. And so today, I would like to speak from the subject, healthy grieving in 2016. Healthy grieving in 2016. 16. Let's go before God. Father, uh, we are bereft of so many things uh, in our country today. We are bereft of justice. We are bereft of racial equality. Um, We are bereft of honest people who lead. Um, We are bereft of dignity in the ministers of politics. Um, And we are bereft of prophetic voices in the church. We are bereft of so many things, Lord God. And so we come before you to utilize all the means that you make available. And this moment, the preaching moment, is just another. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. Help us to find the realm of honesty. Melt melt complacency and melt fakeness this morning, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? You may be seated. You may be seated. (laughs) Sung Chan Ra last week. How many of you here that hear him on his last sermon uh, at the conference? 
um, I, I, I want to follow in his same vein that our brother laid out for us. Only thing that was missing really from that was um, our ability to actually do what he preached about. And um, I want to give us that chance today. It's interesting that in our triumphalistic American U.S. Western disposition, we only see room for only a few things in our worship experience. We see great room for uh, praise and thanksgiving. You know, uh, we, we, we like that. We get to lift our hands. We get to shout hallelujah and amen. And we love all of that. But that's only one dimension of our worship experience. Um, in the Psalms even, praise and thanksgiving. And then we have uh, 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 what we call trust and confidence psalms or music that um, gives us the opportunity when we're dealing with difficulty to put our confidence in the Lord. And we like those because we get to, those are devotional passages, I call them. Those are ones, you know, where you get your little blanket and put over your leg in the morning with your tea and honey and, you know, your little, your little Walmart or Ikea or Target lamp over your head and you go plikitik and, you know, and you sit there and you open your Bible and the aromatic expressions of the herbal tea come up and you open up to a psalm and you just want to feel God's presence that morning and just feel really, really good, not to necessarily learn anything, but just to feel better so that you know hell's going to break loose probably that day. So you need a moment in the day to feel like you at least felt God was there. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> so, 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 so you got, you got those types of uh, songs, but there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm not downgrading that. Um, we, we have what's called messianic or royal songs where we get to see God's uh, expression of showing off the glory of who he is by pointing ultimately to Jesus Christ as the messianic king of all, not just Israel, but of the entire universe. Then we got those ones of protection when the devil's getting busy, those them rebukable passages where we just pull out like Psalm 91 or Psalm 23 and we got that on the hip. Yay, do I dwell in the show? And you go on through, yeah, 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 and you're like, shoot, that's your, this your devil bullets right here. That's the protection songs, you know what I'm saying? Where you fight back the devil and you go around your house like you in war room saying, devil, I told, now I'm gonna tell the movie, but it's because some of y'all are, you know, but those are your protection songs and we like those. But then the ones we may not like is like confession and repentance. We passed like Psalm 51, Psalm 34. You know, ah, I'll stop that on my devotional reading um, <laughs> process and whatever. We got petitions, but then the one that is least used, but one of the actual most written types of songs in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's books or a book at least that's written to do this, and that's Lament. Lament is hard for us because we like to be okay fast. (laughs) We like to move forward. You know, when somebody going through something, we want to throw a scripture at them. We got, you know, here here you go, cacao, throw a scripture at them. God is good. And they're like, I don't feel like that right now. Well, you should feel that way because, and then no, 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 no. Lamenting is the ability to be honest with God when you don't feel like it. See, to me, lamenting is the most real type of worship because it shows you that you're a believer for the fact that you're going through hellacious circumstances and you're still willing to talk to God. Now, let me explain something to you. Lamenting isn't clean talk. And it's not theologically robust necessarily. Well, I just like to talk to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
I call upon the one that called to call forth the curtains of eternity and stepped out on nothing and something said, I'm coming in existence because God said to. I'm so glad, I'm so glad, God, that the fatitudes of our ecstasy, we're like, what are you even talking about? Right? See, see, Lamentations is sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Lamentations is to be frustrated with God and still talk to him. Uh, and so we see in this reality that we need to do that in light of what we go through. It's interesting um, that the word, the Lamentations is not the name of the book. It's interesting that the name of the book is actually an interesting word. It's Eka in the Hebrew. That means, it just means how. That's the Hebrew name of the book. It's a frustrating question to God. God, how? Or some would say, alas! It's the voice of frustration. And some of you heard Soon Chan Ra talk about the metered version where it's usually pity pats, but this is a dragging limp. If I, if I were a, a, one of the writers under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I would name lamentations or lamenting as redemptive blues singing. Um, I, said, I know some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Y'all think R&B. I'm talking about blues, right? Blues is dun, 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 dun. My wife has left me. Boom, 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 boom. I'm mad in a mug. Dun, 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 dun. My kids are on drugs. Dun, dun. That's... And you walk away from the club like, what did I just listen to just now, right? But a lot of people, it's, it's the entering in to the experience of brokenness and being honest about it. And if you don't have that type of work, matter of fact, I admit today, so I'm joining you, that I'm a novice at lamenting. So today isn't as polished and homiletical as I'd like and uh, 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 pericopetic, if you will, and onomatopoeia-ish, if you want, um, simile and metaphor-ish and uh, alliteration-ish as you would like for your homiletical communication to be because, frankly, I'm out of my element. I'm out of my element because here it draws out the emotions of what I don't want to deal with. Jews, listen to what they did. Jews often revisited their awful past in order to never forget, number one, what happened. In other words, in God's economy, he gave them freedom to remember. Somebody say remember. In other words, remembering the brokenness of what happened. When America tells African-Americans to forget about the past when we haven't even talked about it, it's unhealthy. The Bible teaches, I was talking to Pastor Nyra, and I, the fact that when somebody died in your family, you got a month off work to grieve, and then other people could take sick leave to come around you and grieve with you and sit and say nothing. And matter of fact, they may just rock back and forth and just moan with you with their hand on you and not say a word for a month. In our culture, God is going to do it. Is he a refuge for you? God be glorified. And it's like, I'm not there yet. And let me, let me tell you something, it's okay not to be. Oh, I'm, I'm, it's, I know this is the amenless sermon, it's okay. But this is important for us to recognize for comprehensive help, particularly in the eye and area of worship. It's interesting, it says how they got, or, or how they got in the predicament. They look back on and they never forget how they got in the predicament. The, and then they learn from it. Not only that, to work, to see the work of the Lord through it. 
But not only that, view the brokenness of their past as spiritual formation for the present. So it's interesting here in Lamentations that God gives an idolatrous and sexually promiscuous people who he's placed under his disciplined hand the freedom to complain to him even though their experience is their fault. And their voice is called worship. That's a merciful God that allow you to talk back to him when you were the one wrong in the first place. And so, and so, and so hearing, hearing it, these are not innocent people that, that, that they got an injustice that happened to them. Like this ain't like God, see, you letting people, see, look at all this, there's none of that. It was their fault. The walls of Jerusalem breaking down, young bucks being snatched off from Jerusalem and Judah into Babylon, the best looking women getting snatched up to kings and, and provinces and dude was about to marry homegirl and the dude snatched her, took her. And, and God says, I'm not even mad, go ahead and grieve because I've created room because of the brokenness of sin to give you the ability to talk to me about everything without having to quickly move yourself out of it by believing I'm gonna come through. I I need y'all to hear that, like, this is not unbelief though. Like, before I even get in the text, I gotta, like, this is not unbelief. Why isn't it unbelief? Because you're talking to God. If it's unbelief, you wouldn't be talking to him. And so we come here to this passage. I got to get in this because I want to give us some room. <clears throat> I got one point, and I'm out your way. Honestly, talk with God and one another about our grief. Um, the prophets in Jeremiah 23, there were some false dudes that came up. Jeremiah's prophesying. He's given four things to do. Jeremiah's given. In chapter 1 of Jeremiah, he's given four things to do. You're supposed to uproot and plant tear down and destroy. In other words, your prophetic voice, I'm gonna use as the means to uproot and destroy Jerusalem and replant it in Babylon. Now, nobody don't like prophecies like that because that's honest prophets. So because the people were broken in Jeremiah 23, we had some people that just started prophesying purpose and stuff. Now, I know we don't do that today, but it's, not, it's, gonna, it's about to be your season. God's going to bring you out. I know things are breaking apart right now, but in three days, I'm promising you, in three days, it's about to be a turnaround for you. Don't listen to Jeremiah. Don't listen to the critic because God is about to bring you out. And God in Jeremiah 23 says, I have not put my words in their mouth. And so he comes here. I only got just like quick look. Ugh. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. This idea of man here is, isn't the normal Hebrew word for man of Adam or Ish. It's interesting here, it's a different word that points to a strong man or woman, sort of like an every man concept, so it's not just masculine in the sense of its application. But it's a strong person who's used to being a fighter a person that's used to taking care of business and doing their thing. What's interesting though, is when God allows calamity to come your way, 
Even the ones who think they are the strongest are no match for God's breaking mechanism to get your attention. <laughs> and so what he, what he does, listen, what he does, he says, I am the man who has seen affliction. I like this because what he's saying is, I don't, but I do like it. Um, he's basically saying, my eyes, I'm an eyewitness to the brokenness that has happened to my people. He, uh, uh, he's he's, he's going to begin to drum up this idea of talking, and he's going to walk through it, talking, he's going to talk about how bitter he is. He's going to talk about how God has knocked his teeth out. He's going to talk about a, a vast majority of things. And what have we seen in our cities? Right. Now, see, some middle, upper class, and I'm going to just say this, black folk act like you ain't never seen nothing. Right. I know y'all ain't going to say nothing. It's okay. And y'all act like it's only the inner city people that's seen some difficulty. That's the, that's the quiet secret of the black community, is that when you get out, you forget about what it was like because now you're experiencing the spoils of establishment. And so what can begin to happen is, is you become what my grandmama used to say, a sadiddy Negro. Again, I will counsel my white brothers and sisters to never, ever, ever, ever call a brother or sister who's black that. <laughs> when I was in the inner city of Dallas, in my first experience, because I never wanted to go to the inner city again, God has a sense of humor. I told him, I'm never going. He said, you're going. Because when you grow up in the inner city, you never want to go back. You're like, look, I'm about to go get this degree. I'm about to go get these degrees. I'm about to get me some mock necks and some suits and some sneakers and some shoes and some outfits and a loft downtown and I'm gonna be on the loft looking over the city looking like Tony Montana but legal. I had a plan, but God had a different plan for me because he's, instead of looking at the loft, he wanted me to look from the block. And I found myself in the inner city of Dallas working with Bloods and Crips gangster disciples and East Dallas locos and sharing the gospel beside projects and hearing the stories, try to keep it together, of young girls who could hear and young boys who could hear their mom in the next room tricking out while they're trying to go to bed. I remember that. I remember zombie looking parents Minds gone from PCP and don't even know who they are, but still got a baby in diapers they haven't changed in two days. And the rash looks like shingles on steroids. I can remember the prostitution. I can remember the fact that in looking at the situation where black men had to sneak and live in the projects because in order for the mother to get on welfare, she had to not be married but in order to get more money, she had to have more children. And then when she tries to get out the projects, she can't get out of it, thereby creating what we call today the trap. And so now there is a governmental loophole that leaves black women alone in the projects with children and black men as rushing around as rolling stones in the corridors of these graffiti-written hallways. We find ourselves in America saying, what have we seen? Well, I'll tell you what we've seen, family. We've been kidnapped by Europeans from our own country 
and sold by our own brethren. That's what we've seen. And you're not going to let me forget about it. I'll never forget about it because it's a part of what shaped the people in this country who are ethnic minorities as black minorities. What we've seen, what else have we seen? We were brought to this country in horrid, humane conditions called the Middle Passage. It started out with 12.7 million of us and ended with 10.2 million of us. So over two point, possibly five million of us were dumped into the water where sharks and all different types of animals had a buffet off of black flesh. Not only that, but slavery officially was 246 years on the books of America because of 1619 to 1865, although they were shipped here, we were shipped here between 1525 and 1866. And then when the Emancipation Proclamation came in 1865, in between 1865 and 1877, that period of time, which was the Black Dark Ages, continued Uh, We were in the midst of what we call reconstruction. And what was reconstruction? When you use the word reconstruction, our history books pretty it up. But it was the white America trying to figure out how do we economically recover from having blacks as our main source of labor for free. And so during reconstruction, just to make sure that we didn't get too big, they created black codes to stamp us until they can create another subversive form of slavery in order to not be uh, 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 overt, but a covert form of racism called Jim Crow. And some people think that the Jim Crow only stayed in the South, but I'm going to let you right now that the tides of Jim Crow did find themselves making waves to the North. And as we begin to see that reality and from really 1865 to, uh, 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 to 1877, then Jim Crow from 1877 overtly to 1975. And then it had to do something that, Alexand- uh, that Michelle Alexander in the new Jim Crow says, she says, any candid observer of American racial history must acknowledge that racism is highly adaptable. In other words, in our country, it's become adaptable to the point now because it's been cloaked that our white brothers and sisters, some of them evangelical, if you will, begin to act like that race doesn't exist and say, I don't see color. And so when that happens and you begin to say, well, look at the abortion rate. Why are you talking about Trayvon Martin? Let's make those two different court cases because if you want to talk about black on black crime and you want to talk about abortion, that's a whole nother sermon series to talk about how the creation of race and the systemic streaming of particularly black men in this country has strained out the ability for people to want children to live. We're not condoning anything, but we have to be in a situation where we begin to allow black people to lament what has happened in this country and the hell that's been wrecked and wrought on us that is damnable by God, that should be damnable by our government, and that should be damnable by all of us. And so today, (coughs) I lament raising Emmanuel, Nehemiah, and Ephraim, fearful that they would become a hashtag one day. I didn't name them to be a hashtag. My first son's name means God with us. The second one means 
Yahweh comforts. The third one means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. When I named them, I didn't want them to be a hashtag for being not martyred, not martyred, but lynched. So I lament that as I'm telling my son in his teenage years to listen to the police, that I'm fearful that he will become a statistic and all of them will become a statistic. Why is this all of this important? Because we have to have room in the church to be honest with where we are. See, you, don't, it, you have to learn not to fix people real quickly when they begin sharing their hearts. Because the center of the myth, if God can listen, why can't you? Lastly, I'm, I'm out your way. I'm out your way. Jesus lamented in his incarnation. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. You don't have to turn it. I'll read it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills its prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered you children, your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why can we lament? Because Jesus lament. And the cross is a lament. I'm going to read my lament. And then I'm going to let you lament. And your lament must be 30 seconds to a minute. Please respect it because I want to give as many people an opportunity as we can. It's my lament. Lord, we have felt the strain of our identity being taken from us. We understand that we are one in Christ, but we wrestle with what should be redeemed in our lives culturally because we had our culture taken away from us. We have longed for the body of Christ to join us in our pain and hurt and let their hearts, minds, and strength visit the corridors of American history with us, but many treated as cynical, inconsequential, trivial, and the pa- uh, trivial the past and gloss over our trauma as if it is our past and the current scourges are merely a figment of our imagination. They say, get over it. Just focus on the gospel. Just preach Jesus not knowing that to ignore these travesties is an affront on the gospel itself. Jesus' death frees me to look at and deal with the tragedies of the past and not ignore them. Lord, I hurt for our inner cities where black men have been caged into the prison of the trap called neighborhoods. They kill our education. They kill our families. They kill our fathers. They kill our mothers, they kill our men, they kill our children, they kill our hopes, they kill our dreams, our dwellings. They also send crops called guns, unhealthy food, abandoned landlords, trash, abandoned houses, drugs that we didn't bring in this country, and liquor. Our pain is so deep that we have turned to one another to destroy ourselves. They taunt us by locking up our men and give them 60% longer sentences and then legalize our offenses once we're in prison. Our black women lament not being able to marry their marital preference because the level of systemic racism 
that has been set up in this country against black men for generations has locked them up. We cannot wait until you return and change all of this, Lord. Your turn to lament. I lament, I lament as a public school teacher to see children coming to school with no breakfast, no school supplies, and even some of them being touched by members of their family. I lament, I lament sometimes when I forget that I'm there for a purpose that I get sometimes caught up in, do I really want to be here? Mm. And then the Lord lets me know, yes, I called you to the urban school where I could have been hired in the upper Dublin school, but God told me no. I lament for the children that we are not lamenting over. Mm. Praise you, Lord. You can come to the microphones, you can come to the microphones. You can come up, you can come up, let her come up, let her come up. Those of you who wanna do it, make sure you just come up to the microphones. Wanna hear you all. 30 seconds to a minute. Greetings. Um, I just wanna thank you for this opportunity to come and share. Um, This past week, I've been very broken. Um, I watched the documentary uh, 13th, and it just reminded me of my brother um, who's been incarcerated for the last 15 years for a non-violent offense. And he's not actually um, scheduled to be released until he's the age of 55 years of age. And it's there's just the injustice. Like I haven't seen my brother in almost 30 years. And I was just broken over the school to prison pipeline and how many of our children are being you know, groomed for the prison system, which is to me uh, just another you know, slave trade, the new slave trade, essentially because these men and women are working $5 a month, you know, for, <clears throat> to basically keep the presence afloat. And I just, I'm, I'm angry, I'm, I'm sad. Um, and I'm just thankful that the pastor has opened the floor for us to share um, with one another so that we might pray and Hopefully God will move. I do believe that the Lord is moving and that he's calling for the Micah 6-8 generation to rise up. He's told us, old mortal man, what we are to do to love justice, to to love mercy and to do justice in the land. So let's do that. Let's be God's people. Thank you. Thank you. I lament as I think of every male in my family has been in prison at one point or Mm. another. Mm. Mm. I lament because I'm afraid 
for my son. Mm. I lament because there are those who say they believe in Jesus, but they say their Amago day is better than my Amago day. And to say when I am angry because you will not see me as made in God's image and I'm not preaching the gospel, I am angry. And I want to fight that we will not live not in the body of Christ with people saying we are not preaching the gospel because you won't see me as made in God's image. Lord, I struggle. I struggle because I wonder if you see. Lord, I hurt. Lord, I hurt the same way that I hurt when my husband walked out and left me a single woman to raise my three black girls so that now I'm in the system, Lord. Lord, homeless, Lord. And Lord, this is what I see, Lord. Women taking care of their children while men are in prison and making more babies and on drugs and coming and going out of jail, Lord. Lord, I hurt because my brother is in jail for over 25 years, in and out, in and out. Lord, I hurt because my nephew killed himself because he was hurting. And he went to jail, Lord, and what did they do? They put him out on the street and gave him drugs and said, he's mental. Lord, I hurt because that was my brother, only son, Lord. And now he has no son. Lord, I hurt because one in four women are abused physically in this country by men over and over again, Lord. Women are being sexually abused when they're, when they're in their home thinking that this man is their husband and here they abuse him, Lord. Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, I hurt because I don't know who's gonna marry my daughters because they're all in jail. Lord, this is like the 1950s and the 60s when I grew up. I had to walk on the right side of the street. Now I'm afraid. Where should I go, Lord? Where should I go now, Lord? Where should I walk, Lord? What should I do? Should I put Soul Brother on my house again, Lord? What should I do? Lord, I hurt. Amen. Well, um, I never really heard of the term lament. But I know that it grieves me and it hurts me to see that uh, there's so many black men going to jail and being killed. I'm tired of the black on black crime. I know we get upset and we unite when it's white on white, but I'm tired of black on black crime. I lost my daughter's father to gun violence. I have a, a boyfriend in jail, two brothers in jail, an uncle in jail. 
I'm, it's uh, modern day eugenics when they try to get black women to have abortions and they put abortion clinics in our communities, in our neighborhoods. We need parents to get involved and speak up in public schools because without the parents sending our children to public schools, the public schools won't exist. So it grieves me to um, see people not really rise up and know the power that they have. We are supposed to go out and be light in the world and stand up in broken communities. So if each and every person just took the gospel and believe it and read it for themselves and see how powerful we are in the Lord, I know that we all can make a change. So it grieves me and it hurts me to see our community still so broken after so many uh, protests and marches and walks and hashtags and social media uh, bosses and everything like that. I just need people to come from out of the church and into the streets. I'm from the projects and I'm still in the projects because when you get a job, they do raise your rent and they make it hard for you to move out. So just be a, make an impact where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I'm gonna sing my song. It's like I'm lying to y'all. All right, but um, we're gonna start. But Lord, I I, I lament because uh, I've grown very discouraged, and just my spirit has just been broken. It's just been broken. Just being just. Just growing up, not being knowledgeable of the different, different factors that had caused strife and pain and plight in my life and in those that I care about around me as just black folk and just knowing that this is not something that's coincidental, this is something that has been systematically in place. For instance, I'm the only one out of my uh, family members, out of my, my father's children that have not seen the, the prison cell. And um, it's just knowing that from sisters and brothers just growing up and just and just feeling just hindered and, and just impeded and everything that I, I've done, just been in school, just looked at as the one that is, oh, he is the, the uh, uh, rambunctious kid, he is this, he is that, just because of my black skin. Just, it's just, Lord, I, I, I lament. And I just, uh, just, just wanted to share this with y'all as I'm up here. Uh, all these brave people up here, and y'all need time. Uh, Romans 10:4. For Christ is the end of of the law for the righteousness to everyone who believes. So I know that this thing called sister a uh, 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 white supremacy, this thing called racism, this ferocious monster has been has been 400 years plus just uh, uh, tearing down the black the black souls of black folk. But I know in my heart, my faith in God, the Lamb of the Sun. I know. Uh, uh, that one day, even though I may not see the day myself, that this will perish, that it will end, and it will absolve. I know, and I have faith in God. I know he's the righteous Amen. one. So, Amen. Yeah, Amen. thank you. Everybody, keep it to a minute so we can get to everybody. I want to get to everybody in line, so let's try to keep it to a minute, please. Amen. Thank you. Uh, Father, I just ask that you would help me form my words of lament. Um, Father, you know I've talked to you about this Many times, and Lord God, my simple lament is that um, the oppression, the lust, the greed of a people has caused the slavery of not just those who are oppressed, but those who are the oppressors. Yes. God, we're both oppressed. We're tied to sin. God, I lament and I ask that you act, break us free from this bondage between brothers. Blacks and whites are brothers. Asians and Hispanics were brothers. When you made us, you made us from one man, 
And God, I, I lament that we don't see that the, the fight, the oppression, mm. the, the enslavement is issues between brothers. God, I pray that you would um, restore that truth. God, I lament also that racism produces mental illness. Anytime that you can see someone um, as inferior because they don't look like you, is something wrong with your perspective? So God, I pray that you will heal the mental illness that sin produces when it goes unchecked, when it's allowed, allowed to fester. God, redeem us. In Jesus' name I pray. Good job, sis. Thank you. Yeah. Father, I lament because of the church. Father, I lament because we have allowed injustice to occur within the four walls of the church. And then we cry out for justice outside of the church. I lament because of the hypocrisy that when people see us, they don't always see you. I lament because we have stayed silent when we should have spoken up for decades. I lament because we have chosen to accept false theology and doctrine that is centered around ourselves instead of spreading the gospel for transformation. <clears throat> Father, I lament personally for staying silent when you told me to speak up. I lament for sitting on my gifts when you told me to use them for your glory. Yeah. And I can only pray that we all, individually and collectively, come to a place of repentance and brokenness to be able to fight for your justice and not our own. In Jesus' name. Lord, I am that man who has seen much affliction. Lord, I lament because I'm abandoned by my white brothers and sisters in the, in the church. Lord, I lament because so many black men are hindered for experiencing the living water. Lord, I lament I lament because I don't, I'm never given space to feel what I really feel. Lord, I lament because sometimes because how the system wants us to portray love they want to see love through a visual standpoint by social media and allow us to hurt one another by expressing love through objects and tools that we perceive men <coughs> and women 
I love who I am because of who you created me to be by my identity. I'm black, I'm a father, I'm a son. I'm someone who wants to portray the youth to be incredible, beautiful people, to have the same abilities as everyone, not just lowlifes or criminals or things that this world wants them to be, which is love of objects of property of females and drugs and whatever things that they were pressed by. I hate sin, I hate falling, and I hate the things that you allow these things to be. But yet you do these things so that we can see your love and we see who you are, which is the true love. Fatherhood, I'm a great father, but my grandma died this week, and I can't go see you because I have to be a great father to my daughter. There was a big fight that happened at my school this week where kids jeopardize their education because they believe that they have to fight other people in their community to survive. So they jeopardize their education by saying, I need to do this because I'm strong, but they're weak because they don't see education as a satisfaction that other people see in this world because our social media says that education is worthless. Police officers came out and they were fearful because they are self scared of social media. Not a white, but a black police officer came out and took his baton out, wanting to strike kids because he fears for his own life. And the other police officers that stood and watched while they were continuously fighting, and only us staff members, only our staff members, not the police officer at that time because they're fearful for self, did not help. And there was a situation where there was a Caucasian woman yelling at black African-American students because they were fighting in the neighborhood in their, in their area, but yet, I don't see why they can't come together and just help one another. That's why I just don't understand, Lord. Amen, Lord. brother. I know that you're doing this so we can seek you for our compassions could be willed in your love and not this world. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> well, the next one is because of time. When I say amen, that means landed in five seconds. Love you guys. Love you guys. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. My heart hurts because this evil called heroin is destroying the generation that God wants to do mighty works with. My fiance and I are three months off of heroin. <laughs> and we know many people that have overdosed and died. Yes, sir. And we thank you because this is the first church we felt welcomed in. breaks my heart because the same Lord that we serve who came to set the captives free most of the church passes by on the other side and we felt that that judgment we felt like a disease in a lot of churches and we want to say thank you for welcoming us
hear the groanings in my heart, for the words that I do not yet know how to verbalize, the words I do not yet know how to say. I lament, dear God. A friend came to visit me this weekend because he's been having problems at home, and I thought that my words alone could save him, but he's beyond help and he needs professional help. But he was meant and raised to believe that seeking help makes you weak. And he's enslaved <coughs> to these thoughts inside his head because he believes that talking to anybody about it makes him weak. Dear God, I lament for the way we were raised to believe that being strong means not finding help in anybody else or anything or any other way, dear God, but in you there is freedom, freedom from the chains inside our mind, dear God. So I just pray for all those that they may find freedom in you, dear God. And I lament for all those who believe that, that what's inside their head is all that there is, dear God. <coughs> I lament. I lament uh, because I'm fearful that I'm going to get pulled over um, for ordinary traffic stop and get killed. Um, I lament because I'm fearful that I could get a phone call um, that my son got killed by a police officer. Um, I lament because I can't be my true, authentic self in white corporate America. Um, I lament because I can't get the opportunities with the same education as those in white America. Thanks, John. Um, I lament that the church has become spineless. I um, lament that flash mobs can gather quickly than the body of Christ. I lament that even though we have white privilege in the church and white leverage actually, we still can't see black power. I lament that the body of Christ has become so disfigured and crippled that people cannot see his image. Mm. I lament. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. <laughs> I got like five minutes we got to manage because I got to get ready for the next service. So I need everybody to move quickly. Um, Quilly, I'm going to give you a little more time than everybody else, though. So everybody else is 30 seconds this here now. You got 30 seconds. Quilly, you got a minute. So Quilly, I'm going to let you go last so you can get, you, you can get in the line right, right, right back. There you go. There you go. All right. <clears throat> Let's do it. Go ahead. Uh, I'll admit for Avery. the savage I want to be. I lament for the fact that I didn't get the basic English skills until two years ago after taking remedial classes at CCP. I lament for the fact that I went to college and almost flunked out. I lament for the fact that I came home to the same struggle. I lament for the fact that every time I want to do right, it seems like the system is against me. The fact that I want that I'm not out here shooting and killing is not good enough. Uh, I lament for the fact that I just feel like I, I'm a, I'm at a place of hopelessness. Mm. I lament. Thanks, Avery.
because of my racial ambiguity and the privileges and special circumstances I've been given, I may have never had this conversation. I lament that this is deemed an unworthy topic in most of my circles. I lament that there's so many family and friends and those that are in a similar position um, that I've been privileged to be in that will never know. That those people in my circles have validated non-truths because of my privilege. I've never grieved. I've never repented. And that it is a difficult thing to cut off my ignorance. And that it is a hurtful thing that I have to do that. And that's never been brought to life before. So I lament for my privilege. I lament for my blinders, which in all reality have been hurtful to me and hurtful to all of those in this room and those in this world. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Daniela. Ray. Thank you, Lord. God, I just want to tell you that I'm thankful for who you made me. Uh, Father, uh, I grieve uh, since I was a child. I've grieved. I have a, I'm the product of a biracial uh, family. Uh, my, my father's black and my mother is Italian. And it seems to me that um, I'm not black enough for my black brothers. And I'm not Italian enough for my Italian brothers and sisters. And then when they see me on the street, they think I'm Latino and they speak to me in Spanish and it's all, that's all good. My wife is Hispanic. When you see us walking down the street, you see, so you think you see, a strong Latino family. But I'm proud to have a black father. I'm, I'm proud to have an Italian mother. And for all of the uh, biracial uh, children, the millions of us that are out there in this world, mm. Father God, please give us the strength to walk every day and hold our heads up high for you. Because God, these people out here, they'll say, they say things that they'll say around each other. Well, if you think I'm Puerto Rican, then you'll talk about the blacks and you'll think it's okay in front of me, but guess what? I'm not digging it because that's not who I am. And I'm around the Italians and they're talking about black people and the black people are talking about this one and that one and guess what? So I gotta stop, it grieves my heart. So God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just take these walls down and build us up for who we are in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Ray. You next. You next. Then Quelly. Quelly, you last. Lord, I lament that no matter what I do, I'll just be another black man. It doesn't matter that I graduated from a Christian high school. It doesn't matter that at the age of 20, I started my own swim team for free to get black people off the streets. It doesn't matter that I want to get a degree. It doesn't matter that I just joined the United States Army to fight for everything that we all should believe in. And I'm still just another black man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Lord, I lament um, for individuals who uh, grew up without um, their parents, with uh, absentee parents. I didn't meet my father until I was 23 years old. And um, I was raised in a household where although my mother did do the best that she could for us with who she was, um, she was extremely abusive. And I lament that, you know, her mother was abusive and her mother's mother was abusive and 
all the generations before just trickled down to each generation. And I lament that because in our family, because all the generations, you know, had their own hurts and their own pains that, you know, our parents weren't healed from the hurts and pains that they went through, so they didn't build us up. They tore us down. And I lament that because all of that has shaped my whole entire life. The way I look at myself, the way I view myself, my career, what I think about myself, that I grew up, you know, not having relationship with my parents. I regret that. I get angry and resentful of that. I lament that. Amen. Thank you. Quelly, it's on you, boss. Lord, I'm angry because when I try to talk to adults about racism, they say things to me like, don't worry about it. It's all going to be okay. And or they say something like, well, if the cop pulls you over, you just abide by the law and they'll leave you alone. But even though it seems like the people that have been doing that have been getting killed. And it doesn't like, and then like they're supposed to overlook it like it's not happening, like they don't want us to see the truth. And that's what they did in slavery when they wouldn't let blacks read because they didn't understand. So when you try to talk to people about what happened, they just overpass it. Or like a couple months ago when Pokemon Go came out, Black Lives Matter was the top trending topic on Twitter. And then the day that came, the day Pokemon Go came out, Black Lives Matter almost seemed like it wasn't even important anymore. And that's all. Thank you. Thank you. Um, fellas, just start distributing communion. And we're going to do something a bit different. Um, I'm not going to have everybody line up. Just grab communion and start passing it out. And um, <clears throat> I want us to learn how to. I don't know. I'm, I'm thankful for everybody that shared. Um, it's not a right or a wrong. Y'all don't, don't have to even bring it up. Y'all just start passing it out. Just start passing it out. Um, it's no right or wrong way to do it because some of the stuff you hear in the lamenting literature seems appalling to say to God. Um, but I want us to build a culture here. And I don't know how to do it, so we just got to pray and read the scriptures and learn because I'm new at this. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure many of us are new at this. And I'm praying that we will begin building a culture where we are sharing and being honest about where we are without people rushing us to be new, without people rushing us to be fixed, and without giving us some slogan or some cliche to wipe away what can't be so quickly fixed. And as we take communion today and as we get ready to celebrate the Lord's death. Um, Christ's death on the cross was all of the above. It was praise and thanksgiving. It was, for us, confession and repentance. It was a petition. It was messianic because he was there. He's the king with the crown of thorns. Um, but it's interesting that even on the cross, Jesus Christ says, Elohi, Elohi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? That was a lament from Psalm 22. Even though he knew he was dying for sin, even though he knew he was redeeming us, and in a few days uh, he would have a brand spanking new body, 
and he'd have all power in his hand and the church was going to begin and healing was going to spread and he knew all of these things. 40 days later, he'd be sitting back where he was sitting in eternity past before he came into incarnation. He paused to lament. Jesus did not ignore his circumstances. And so let's not ignore ours anymore. Our white brothers and sisters, I want to free you guys. We're not trying to condemn you. We want you to be able to uh, enter into your, uh, being able to be honest. Um, for our ethnically blended and mixed people, we are sorry that we ignore you a lot of times. Um, for those who are not African-American in the sense of your family didn't come here through transatlantic slave trade, but your Caribbean translated slave trade, slave trade on that, but then those who are from Africa and different countries, I pray that we would even learn how to be weaved together and to talk through our issues of difference um, and how there is a similarity of you guys coming to the country and, or you were raised here and your parents came here and you're feeling like, I'm not you, I'm not them and having to distinguish yourself. I'm praying that all of us will begin to be honest about how we're feeling about each other and that we're letting the gospel change and shape us and let it challenge us, yet freeing us to be honest. Let's stand together. Reason why we take communion at the end of the gathering, let me tell you something, everybody has to open it. <laughs> everybody has to eat from it that knows Jesus. There's no one that Christ exempted from remembering that he died. If you're a believer, we equally have to meditate on who he is. And so on the night that he was betrayed, he had just lamented over his disciples not praying for him. And he's about to go to the cross. And he said, this is my body, which will be given up for you. Let us eat together. Then he ended by saying, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant, which was shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together. Lord God Almighty, we are in desperate need of you to help us to continue to walk in, think through, and to figure what does it mean, Lord God, to, we're gonna, we, I know we got the action plan coming next month and we're gonna actually be working on this stuff, God. We're actually gonna be working on and planning and trying to engage these different areas. What you tell us to do, I think it's so necessary, my king, that we find ourselves to pause and to deal with the reality that we're about to engage and continue to grieve it as it happens. Help us to not lose feeling. Help us not to become apathetic and numb, but help us to feel more deeply and be honest more deeply and trust more deeply. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our God and Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. God bless you.